<laughs> All right, well, um, uh, where have we been? Where are we going? Um, the talks, talk one, was about God guiding us to glory in Christ. So do everything in God for God's glory. Talk two, God guides us through the scriptures. So we simply must read them and know them. They are his precious words to us. That's how he guides us. Talk three, we are bound to God's revealed will, but in everything else we are free. Uh, that is where we've come from. Where we're going tonight's talk is the wisdom of God, walking with Jesus. And as I've gone through that, I've just answered one of the questions that was in the box. What is guidance? How to get from A to B, I think, really, is what guidance is. Where have we been with the talk so far? Where are we going? Wisdom of God. That, I think that's what wisdom is about, basically. Uh, now, in the outline in your books there, my apologies for... The spacing in it. I haven't given you room for the intro. My third point has five subpoints. <laughs> Some points are longer than others, and I'm sure that you have the wisdom to deal with it. So I'm going to pray. Let's pray. Um, loving Father, loving, loving Father, you are light, and in your light, we see light. Please shine brightly by your spirit in our hearts so that we may see. Amen. Well, I wonder what the dumbest thing is that you've ever done. <laughs> is it a long list like me? Uh, there's many things that are competing for the top title. It could be one of the many times I've gone fishing with my brother. Um, I always end up getting hurt like the time um, he caught my lip with the lure as we are fishing in the boat. Um, it could be nearly starting a bushfire in the scrub behind our, par uh, behind our house, which backed on to the Kosciuszko National Park. Um, but I reckon one near the top of this list, perhaps at the top, is what I did on my 17th birthday. Um, Dad was late coming home from work, and so I needed to get the barbecue going. And, uh, and so as I was pulling the, the barbecue cover off, uh, I undid the, oh, loosened off the, the bottle and uh, uh, turned the knob to get the gas going and went to light it and it wasn't lighting. And so I go inside to get the matches. But what did I forget to do? Turn the gas off. And so I strike the match and kaboom, this huge big fireball comes out of the barbecue and my eyebrows, my eyelashes, my fringe, my hairs on my arms all disappeared very, very quickly. Happy birthday, Steve. <laughs> what is the dumbest thing that you have done in a world that's filled with stupid people like me? And it sounds like stupid people like you from the way that you were agreeing with me. Um, don't we need wisdom? We need wisdom, not just because of stupidity, but because not everything in life is spelt out for us. When Jane and I brought our newborn children home from hospital, um, there we go, there's our daughter Mackenzie, she was born in 2009, and that hand is Archie's hand. <laughs> Her brother, who is two years older than her, and uh, you know, don't kids just love to poke and prod and oh, look at that, sticking the finger up her nose? Yes. Um, now, when we brought our kids home, they didn't come with an instruction booklet. There's no, you know, IKEA Allen key that comes with them. It'd be great if there was, but uh, life doesn't come 
with a turn-by-turn direction like we get on Google Maps. We've already heard that in the scriptures we have all that we need to know God and all that we need for salvation in Jesus. We have his revealed will in the scriptures, but we're not given every detail for life. That's where we need wisdom. We make millions of decisions in our lifetime. How many, million, how many decisions a day did Mark say that the average person makes? About 35,000. That's a lot, isn't it? Tiny little ones to massive life-changing ones. And for a lot of those decisions, we depend on wisdom. Uh, What is wisdom? Uh, Someone once said, knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit, but wisdom is knowing... Doesn't go in a fruit salad. salad. Very good. Oh, there's some wisdom here. Great. Uh, Google tells us that wisdom is the quality of having experience and knowledge and good judgment. And uh, oh, I think that's, you know, that's okay. Uh, it's, I think what, what we understand with wisdom is that it's about gathering knowledge and it's about combining it with sound judgment or discernment or, or insight and applying that to the decisions that we make in life. About gathering knowledge, combining it with sound judgment and applying it to decisions we make in life. Now, there's loads of wisdom in the world around us, isn't there? You know, tomatoes and fruits and that kind of thing. Um, We went down to the dam earlier today. Um, Dam builders know how to apply physics, don't they? They they use their physics to build the dams so that it doesn't fall down when it's full. A good mechanic knows how to pull a car apart and put it back together again in a way that it still works. Not like me who blew up my muffler one time and I was trying to do some work on a, on a car in a closed garage, which was very noisy and painful. Um, there's wisdom to know how to keep people alive. There's wisdom to know when to sow crops, at what rate, at what depth. We gather lots of bits of information from the world around us and we apply it, we, uh, we combine it with, wisdom, with judgment to make decisions. We use logic, we use experience, we use intuition, and we can make very good decisions in life, can't we? And that's just great, it's brilliant. But wisdom from observing the physical world has its limitations. About matters of life, of purpose, of ethics, of glorifying God, we need more than just what we can get from the world. We need revelation. That's what we need, first of all. We need knowledge from the scriptures, we need God to speak, But we also need wisdom to know how to apply that revelation to life. And we need it for the many times the Bible doesn't explicitly instruct us. So in our time tonight, here's what I hope you understand about wisdom. If you take nothing else away uh, from this talk, um, I want you to take this away. It's about walking closely with Jesus. You see, that's the title. It's about walking closely with Jesus, having knowledge about Jesus, combining that with discernment and applying that to life. So wisdom is about a relationship with Jesus, the one who is the very wisdom of God. Wisdom is a lifestyle of walking closely with Jesus and from our communion with him, we will make great decisions. Now tonight we're going to be anchored in 1 Corinthians and and kind of vibing from that a bit. Uh, But first we're going to go old school. We're going to go to the book of Proverbs. The book where wisdom is like a cruise ship with coronavirus. No matter where you go, you can't escape it. 
It's everywhere. So come to Proverbs chapter 1 with me and let it cough wisdom all over you. (laughs) Proverbs chapter 1. I could do a mark, can't I? You know, Proverbs is around about here. I can do something even more helpful. It's on page 588. Okay, we're at point one on your outlines, okay, as we we come here, and wisdom is a person. As we read, see how wisdom is personified. Wisdom is not an object, it's not an abstract thing, wisdom is a person. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 20. Wisdom calls out in the street. She makes her voice heard in the public squares. She cries out above the commotion. She speaks at the entrance of the city gates. How long, inexperienced ones, will you love ignorance? How long will you mockers enjoy mocking and you fools hate knowledge? If you respond to my warning, then I'll pour out my spirit on you and teach you my words. Since I called out and you refused, extended my hand and no one paid attention, since you neglected all my counsel and did not accept my correction, I, in turn, will laugh at your calamity. (laughs) I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm, and your calamity comes like a whirlwind when trouble and stress overcome you. Then they will call me, but I won't answer. They will search for me, but won't find me. Because they hated knowledge and didn't choose to fear the Lord. They were not interested in my counsel and rejected all my correction. They will eat the fruit of their way and be glutted with their own schemes. For the apostasy of the inexperienced will kill them. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live securely and be undisturbed by the dread of danger. In Proverbs, wisdom is a woman shouting in the streets, yelling in the marketplace at the city gates, yelling from the rooftops, calling people to heed her voice. For it leads to a full and successful life. A life of security. Ignore her and your life will end in disaster. Wisdom is not an object. It's not an abstract thing. Wisdom is a person. And we see this most clearly in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where the wisdom of God is incarnate. So come back over to 1 Corinthians with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Just after Romans. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now in this letter of Paul, there's bucket loads of wisdom from God in his letter. Um, talks about purity in the church, what that looks like, marriage and singleness, uh, rights versus love. But I want you to have a look in verse 24 with me. Chapter 1, verse 24. 
where it says Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. And in verse 30, it is from him, from God, that you are in Christ Jesus, who became wisdom from God for us. In humanity's quest for wisdom, we meet a person. We meet God himself. Wisdom is wrapped up like a delicious Zombrero's burrito in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the wisdom of God. Jesus is wisdom. It all belongs to him. Everything he does is wise. Wisdom is a person. And because wisdom is a person, wisdom is therefore relational. Now, you know that phrase scattered throughout the, the wisdom literature in the Old Testament? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we've all heard that verse. Um, here's a couple of verses, um, passages where we see that. Job 28, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn from evil is understanding. In Isaiah 33, he will be the sure foundation of your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure, to this treasure of wisdom. Proverbs 15, wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord and humility comes before honour. Wisdom starts with taking our proper place before God, humbly recognising our human state, our human folly before the God who is wisdom. Because in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So as we think about God guiding us with wisdom, it's not so much about making the best choice you can. And wisdom's not so much about making the best choice you can that'll bring you success in life. Wisdom begins and ends in relationship with God. Wisdom begins and ends in relationship with God. Back in our central text for the night in 1 Corinthians, do you know that this wisdom is yours as you are united by faith to the one who is wise? We saw that in verse 30 already. From him you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. This wisdom is also yours as we go down to the end of chapter 2. So 1 Corinthians 2 verse 15, the spiritual person, the person who has the spirit, they can evaluate, they can discern everything and yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. For who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Those who have the spirit have the mind of Christ. Now, does that sound pretty good to you? It does to me. This is incredible. We have the mind of Christ. We are able to make spiritual judgments. Because we have the mind of Christ. Now, more about discernment shortly in one of the other points. But point one, wisdom is a person. His name is Jesus. 
And he is ours. Wisdom is ours as we are in him. This wisdom is yours. But this wisdom is foolishness to the world. We're at point two now on your outlines. Wisdom is foolishness. Do you have friends who think that you are stupid for being a Christian? Maybe you've experienced that just in recent weeks. Um, you know, they, they, why would you give up a whole week of your uni break to go on a Christian conference? Why would you do that? Why would you give up the um, ability to make money in that time and pay money to go and do something silly like hanging out with Christians? Or if you're one of our, our tradies here, who are our tradies? Yeah. Woo! You guys have given up a whole week of your four weeks of annual leave to be here. Crazy, isn't it? It's foolishness in the eyes of your fellow tradies. Are you messed up? What are you doing? It's a quarter of your leave. When I quit radiography to begin a ministry apprenticeship with AFES in Wagga, my colleagues were astonished. They didn't come out and say it to my face, but I could read it because it was all over theirs. I was walking away from a very good job. I was taking a pay cut, a pay cut of $75,000 per year to go and do an apprenticeship to talk to people about Jesus. Now, they think that is ridiculous. Paul writes in chapter 1 and verse 18, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God to us who are being saved. In verse 22, For the Jews ask for signs and the Greeks seek wisdom. Now, that's how the Jews and the Greeks seek guidance. They look for signs. They look for wisdom. But, verse 23, we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews. A foolishness to radiographers. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and radiographers, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God was previously veiled from humanity in the Old Testament before Jesus came along. But as Jesus came, he revealed in the action, God revealed in the action of Jesus on the cross, his wisdom. You want to know what wisdom likes? Now, that's one of the questions that I've heard being thrown around this, this week as we've uh, spent lots of time in the scriptures and trying to work out what, is, what, is, what, what does wisdom look like? Look no further than the cross of Jesus. The cross reveals to us the very heart of God. It lies at the centre of his sovereign plan and purposes for creation. God's glory is revealed in the cross. And it's in the cross that he enables us to share in his eternal glory. The wise person meets Jesus at the foot of his cross. And not only meet him there, they live there. Because that is where we meet wisdom. And so wisdom is is not really wisdom if it's divorced from God's revelation in the cross. God's precious holy ones here in, in, uh, in Corinth, they had a worldly wisdom, the kind of wisdom that emptied the cross of its power. The way that they lived did not follow the pattern 
or the wisdom of the cross. And that's what um, Paul addresses in this letter and he calls them to repent of this worldly kind of wisdom. These two are inseparable, the cross and God's wisdom. So don't be surprised when the world thinks you're an idiot as you follow God's wisdom, as you swim against the current of worldly wisdom. So resolve this week, resolve tonight, not to live for the approval of those who are perishing. Be fools for God. Live for the one who died and rose to life for you. Wisdom is a person. God's wisdom is foolishness to the perishing world. Now let's dig a bit more into wisdom to a few other places in the scriptures where we learn what it is to be wise. Uh, we're at point three, wisdom in the scriptures. And I told you before, this has got five subpoints. Uh, I'm going to cover areas that I've heard some of you chattering away with over the week. Um, uh, we talked a bit about it in, in our seminars as well. One of those questions is, how do I get wisdom? How do I get wisdom? It seems like a pretty good thing to have. How do I get me some of that? Well, do we get wisdom like coronavirus on a cruise ship? You catch it by coming into contact with someone who has it? No, 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 don't be silly. We don't get wisdom like that. Wisdom is like the AstraZeneca vaccine for the under 60s. You only get it if you ask for it. <laughs> Point 3A, wisdom is freely given to those who ask God in faith. Wisdom is freely given to those who ask God in faith. My wife Jane got the AZ last week. She asked for it and got it. To receive wisdom, we simply need to ask. Here's what James says on the matter. Come with me to James chapter 1. James is hiding just after Hebrews. James chapter 1, verse 5. Which says, now if any of you lacks wisdom. Who lacks wisdom? Anyone here? Yeah. Well, I should say, who doesn't lack wisdom? And we will really see. <laughs> if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask those people? No. He should ask God who gives to all generously without criticising and it will be given to him. Now what a relief in our desire for wisdom. What a beautiful promise. God delights to give wisdom to those who genuinely ask. Even if we don't really deserve it. Now, the context here in James points us towards a specific type of wisdom. It's wisdom in the midst of trials. God will give us clarity for how we should live when life is tough. And not just a knowledge of the right perspective that gets our thinking in order. That God, as Mark taught us about on, uh, on Monday, that God has a glorious purpose for us as he guides us to glory. 
Uh, we see in verse 4 that God's glorious purpose in our trials uh, is that we'd be mature and complete as well. But it's not just the right perspective, right knowledge about uh, what is happening in these things, but also how to be godly in the thick of the trials, in the trenches of life. And that's what James writes about in the rest of his letter. Um, who is not studying in Wagga? Oh, lots of you guys should all come to us um, because we're going to be starting to look in the book of James this term and uh, we're going to learn heaps about what it is to be wise. So come and join us in Wagga. <laughs> Sorry, other campuses. Um, but we, we see here um, in James that it's not just about a right perspective, uh, but it's about how to be godly in the thick of trials. The wisdom that God gives to those who ask is that right perspective but it's also the practical path of godliness. Uh, but James also adds a qualification, so hopefully you've still got James open there in front of you. He adds a qualification to this blank check of wisdom. In verse 6 he says, But let this person who asks, let them ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Don't expect to receive this wisdom if you doubt. Sounds a bit harsh, doesn't it? What does it mean? Well, it means don't hedge your bets. Don't be partly devoted to God and partly devoted to the world. He's talking about this double-minded person. He's someone with divided loyalties who doesn't really want to live God's way because the world's way looks all right too, and so I'll just take a bit from each place. That person won't receive any wisdom from God. They won't know the right perspective. They won't know how to live rightly in the times of trials. And it's because it's all or nothing. When you ask God for wisdom, entrust yourself to him fully. Have a humble attitude of, of sincere devotion to the Lord and his ways. And he will freely and generously give. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says a very similar thing. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him and he will make your path straight. He'll make your path straight. You will know how to live as you trust God with all your heart. Wisdom is given freely to those who ask in faith. So entrust yourself to God. Now, wouldn't it be really great if this wisdom just fell into our laps out of nowhere? You know, once we just pray this magical prayer of James 1, um, yes, you know, I'm trusting God, I'm not looking to the world for, for wisdom and hedging my bets. God, please give me some wisdom. And then kaboom, it just appears and now I know exactly what to do. Wouldn't that be great? I'd love that. But it doesn't. Wisdom comes through patient perseverance. And here is 3B. Wisdom is given through patient perseverance. We see this happening with Timothy. The Apostle Paul writes to his dear friend, he writes this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7. Consider what I say, Timothy, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. It's a pretty big promise, isn't it? The Lord will give you understanding in everything. Timothy is to engage his mind. He is to consider 
the things that Paul is saying to him. He's to consider those things so that he will understand both its content, the things that Paul is saying, and its implications for life. It's not just an instantaneous download as he reads this letter from Paul, but it's through prayerful and patient meditation on the scriptures that is done in faith. Same thing happens for those classy Bereans in Acts chapter 17. Now, the ones where where Paul and Silas, they, they go to Berea, they preach the gospel there, and the Jews listen to them. And in verse 11, they examined the scriptures daily, the Old Testament. That's what they examined daily to see if the things that Paul and Silas were preaching to them were true. They examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And as a result, many believed. In Psalms, uh, in, in Psalms 1 and 2, the blessed one is she who meditates on God's word, on the law of God. She chews over it, she delights in it, and as she does that, she will know how to live God's good way among the wicked. Wisdom is given by God to those who ask through patient and prayerful meditation on the word of God. This means that we need to trust God's timing, doesn't it? We have to be okay with living in the greyness of life where we don't really know what to do immediately. And even in the decisions that we make when um, you know, we have to make a decision, we're not even sure whether that's the right one. It's, it's really grey, really hard to know. We need to keep trusting God. And so we, we make these decisions in faith. We entrust ourselves to God as we patiently and prayerfully meditate on the scriptures. Now, what does this wisdom look like? Uh, well, the Bible talks about this in terms of discernment. And it's essential to remember here that uh, this kind of guidance does not have the same authority as Scripture. But it is absolutely dependent on it. Discernment is dependent on it. It's informed by it. And so we're at 3C, guided by discernment. Now there's a bunch of words like discernment, like like discernment, that mean the same thing. Uh, And some of these words sound more spiritual than others, like, you know, discernment really sounds very spiritual, doesn't it? Uh, But it simply means to examine something, to evaluate it, to judge it, to test it, or to approve it. Um, The more spiritual words uh, than those ones are like insight or understanding. All these words are used somewhat interchangeably, now, we saw this happening in our passage earlier in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, that the spiritual person is able to discern, they're able to make judgments about spiritual matters. Uh, in Romans 12, uh, come with me there. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing and perfect will of God. 
God gives us the ability to, to examine, to understand God's will so that we know how to live. Jesus is in the business of transforming our minds to see things his way, to see life from his perspective. And that enables us to make godly decisions about living according to his will. Uh, tomorrow night we're going to read Romans 12 and 13. Not tomorrow night because we'll all be back home. Tomorrow morning we'll read Romans 12 and 13 and see what that looks like. What does the godly life look like? In Philippians chapter 1, come with me there. After the Corinthians, keep going towards the back. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter 1 verse 9. So here we see Paul praying. We get a little insight to Paul's prayers here and he prays that these Christians will grow in discernment. Philippians 1.9, I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So here's how discernment happens from Philippians 1. As people grow in their love and knowledge of God, they grow in their ability to make great decisions that result in godly living. Note in verse 11, it comes through our communion with Christ. As people grow in love and knowledge of God, they grow in the ability to make great decisions. Christian discernment grows. It grows over time. You get better at making godly decisions as you get older. It's what Liz was saying um, before, you know, old people that she knows are wise. Well, yeah, at least it should happen if these old people walk closely with Jesus. I wonder if that's what your prayers are for people, that they would grow in love and knowledge and discernment. Is it... Your prayer for yourself. God gives discernment, begins with a hungering love for God and results in godly living. All right, let's turn to our conscience now for a moment. Um, It's another way that God guides us. And again, it's not at all on the same authoritative level as Scripture. 3D, guided by conscience. Uh, What is our conscience? What is our conscience? John MacArthur describes conscience as this, a built-in warning system that signals us, that signals us when something we have done is wrong. The conscience is to our souls what pain senses are to our bodies. It inflicts distress in the form of guilt whenever we violate what our hearts tell us is right. Consciences informed and shaped by the gospel will be sensitive to sin. They'll send warning bells and we should listen to them. Now, I think I also want to add to what MacArthur says here, um, because as we act in accordance with our values, our conscience will lead to positive emotions like pleasure or relief. So 
So our conscience doesn't always send negative messages, it sends positive ones as well. Now, of course, our conscience is not infallible. It can be suppressed by sin. It can be seared as a hot iron and no longer able to feel and direct as they should. But we should never go against our conscience if it's telling us that something is wrong. Because to go against our conscience is always sin, whether that thing is sinful or not. All right, let's, let's say you genuinely think God forbids eating coriander. Okay, because it's part of the fall. It's the devil's herb. Who's, who's with me here? Yes, oh yeah. Okay, those of you who don't know that, well, you should read your Bibles because um, Hezekiah chapter 3 tells us that. Um, now, if you think that eating coriander is a sin but you still just go and nip off a little bit of a sprig and you go and sprinkle it on every burrito you eat, every laksa you eat. You mung it down in delight, even though you know it's wrong. You would be going against your conscience. And for you, that would be sin. If we do something that we think is sin, even if we are misinformed, we are still guilty of sin because we're doing something we believe to be wrong. Listen to your conscience. Don't go against it. But do work to tenderise it as you humbly meditate on the scriptures. And as you do that, you will be convicted about what is right and wrong, particularly with coriander. And now our final point here under wisdom in the scriptures is guided by our guts. 3E, guided by our guts. And I don't mean when our tummy rumbles when you get hungry. Um, It's not our rational discernment I'm talking about here, nor our moral conscience, but a visceral reaction to something. Um, Have you ever had those kind of visceral reactions to things before? Uh, In Luke chapter 7, come with me there, Luke chapter 7. Here, Jesus sees a widowed mum. She has just lost her one and only son. And what prompts Jesus to act here are his guts. Luke chapter 7, verse 13. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, Don't weep. Then he came up and touched the open coffin and the poor bearers stopped And Jesus said, young man, I tell you, get up. Verse 15, the dead man sat up and began to speak and Jesus gave him to his mother. Now, what a crazy story that is. So many things we could talk about there. But what I want you to notice here is, is what moved Jesus. What moved him was compassion. It literally means he was gut wrenched. His insides were twisted. Some translations say his heart went out to her. When we see people in distress, we should be moved by compassion. Our gut reaction should lead us to act in love and mercy. And it's a way that God guides. At other times, our guts might cause us to hesitate. If we sense that something isn't quite right, if someone is creeping you out, 
Slow down. Take your time to make a decision, to pray. Take your time in trusting people if they give you the heebie-jeebies. That's okay. It's a good thing to do. But be wary with this kind of guidance. Now, a feeling is not specific guidance from God. It's part of God's providence for us that should prompt us to further evaluation. Uh, Many times I don't feel right about something simply because it's a new way of doing things and I don't like change. Listen to your gut. Be quick to act out of love and compassion, but be slow when things don't feel right and pray that God will give you wisdom to examine the issues at hand, to assess the knowledge available and, and to be able to come to a judgment about them because he gives wisdom to those who ask. Use discernment, listen to your conscience and your gut, bring them all to God. Wisdom is a person. God's wisdom is foolishness to the perishing world. God gives wisdom to all who ask in faith. Point four, God gives wisdom through the church. So a final source of wisdom that God in his kindness and his grace gives us is within the community of God's people. Uh, we've heard that as, as some of you are saying, what, um, as you know wise people and what it is that makes them wise, there's a lot of wisdom within the community of God's people. God is relational in, in Trinity, Father, Son and Spirit. He created you and I, humanity, to be relational. He saved us into a community with, with himself and with other believers. And so as we think about uh, the, the church here, Uh, Think about the Bible's metaphor of the body. Jesus is the head and the Christians, uh, believers are the body. And so we not only belong to Jesus, we belong to one another. So we're to love one another, we're to be responsible for one another and be dependent on one another. And so as we make decisions, we should involve the Christian community in the process. Um, There's a great chapter pretty short chapter in this book that Mark plugged last night, Decisions Made Simple by Tim Chester. And uh, in this book, Chester suggests that decision-making as part of the Christian community involves two things. First of all, it involves um, making decisions with regard to the implications for our Christian community. How will this this decision affect them? And secondly, making significant decisions in consultation with members of our Christian community. We should make use of the wisdom God has given to others. Gosh, isn't it really hard to do that? To rely on other people? What if they tell me to do something I don't want to do? That could be awkward, can't it? I can preserve my dignity, actually, by not relying on them and asking Google instead. It's hard to rely on others. But God gives wisdom to the body for our sake. And a healthy body is one in which the gospel dwells richly among it. And this is what Paul says in in Colossians 3.16, isn't it? As each member teaches and admonishes one another in all wisdom. God gives us, the church, one another to teach and admonish in all wisdom. And so at times that means that God's guidance might come in the form of a rebuke, of being admonished. We should listen. 
God guides us with wisdom that he gives to the church. Um, You might have heard this week that this is my last MYC with CSU. That's very sad (laughs) Uh, for me, maybe not for you. Um, (laughs) um, I think it's probably number 15 um, of MYCs. Uh, Leslie Seno, Greg, what are you guys up to? Twenty uh, something. Yeah. CSU. Mm. Nineteen. Or even more with not CSU. My goodness, impressive, excellent. I'm I'm still going to stick with uh, with uh, AFES and having mid year conference up in Queensland with the University of Queensland. Um, uh, but as I thought about that decision, uh, there was a need for someone to go and to work on the campus up there and to join that team. Uh, I have a desire to go and and do that work. I've got a desire to stay in Wagga as well. Uh, I think I've got the ability, and so as I'm thinking about making a decision with this, I've got the desire, I've got um, perhaps the ability, um, I've got the opportunity to go, and there's also the church. So if you want to have an acronym to write down, you can write down ABCD. Ability is A and B. C for church. D for desire. And an O as well for opportunity. There's a few letters there for you. Um, But a huge part of our decision to go was made in conversation with other Christians. People who we respected because of their knowledge of God. Their depth of insight, their godliness... Uh, They themselves are living examples of not my will, but your will be done. They're people who walk closely with Jesus. They're the kinds of people that we should listen to. So my wife Jane and I, we sought Kate and Mark and Mark's wife Lucy. We sought their wisdom, their knowledge of us. Uh, We spoke to our, our local pastor and his wife. There were other AFES staff that we spoke to. I might have even had a chat with old Seno up the back there. Um, We gave these people permission to speak honestly with us and reveal our blind spots. We also entrusted ourselves to the application process. Um, The the application form, the interview, and ultimately the decision was up to the interview committee that approved it. Other Christians are God's precious gift of wisdom to us. So let us be humble and seek them out. While we're at it, let's also hear the wisdom of the broader church by reading lots of good books. There's a whole lot of books over there. It'd be great if they disappeared tonight. Listen to the wisdom of the church. And as you are part of the church too, be prepared as you walk closely with Jesus to give wisdom to others when necessary. Now, I want to finish briefly with a word on wisdom and grace. Uh, It's all connected to our union with Christ and walking closely with Jesus. Uh, The first is about growth. Wisdom is something that we grow in over time as we walk closely with Jesus day by day. So don't worry if you feel like you don't have the level of wisdom that you really want. Be humble and work on your communion with Jesus in fellowship with the church And rest in his grace because he will give you wisdom in his time. I know it's easier to think that I'm wiser than what I really am. So I'll try and go it alone without Jesus. 
Uh, But here's a true statement. Here's a true statement. Your future self will always see your present self as unwise and immature. That means by your own standard, you are currently a fool right now. And that's okay because we're all fools compared to God. He generously gives all those who ask. Our second, our guiding principle with wisdom is love. At the very heart of God is love. It is who he is. It is what he does. Now, the Aussie public love to put the decision of politicians through the pub test, don't they? Christians put decisions through the cross test, through the love test. So a wise decision will always be what is loving as defined by the cross. It will show grace when it is not deserved. It will sacrifice and joyfully count the cost in the same way God has treated us in Christ. Our guiding principle in wisdom is love. And third, pursue wisdom because it is the greatest treasure you could ever attain. It's way more valuable than the pointless course you are studying. And so my plea to you is to long to know Jesus more and more each day. Long to know Jesus more and more each day. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, be like Paul. He says, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So as you seek wisdom, seek the Lord Jesus with all your heart. Here's the guiding principle from this talk that you can write up the top on your first page. God gives wisdom. Guiding principle is God gives wisdom as we walk closely with Jesus. Who is wisdom? God gives wisdom as we walk closely with Jesus, who is wisdom. Ask God for wisdom and he will give it to you. Walk closely with Jesus all your days as he guides you home into his glorious presence. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy, to the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen.